Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? You look beautiful. I, um, I have the privilege and the joy of sharing the gospel with you on Good Friday. It's probably my, well, it's not, it's not my favorite message. It's the only message that I know. <laughs> if you've heard me preach, I preach the same thing from a billion different angles. But it's, it honestly makes me come alive. I know that if it wasn't for Jesus and what he did, I wouldn't be here today. And that's not a cliche statement. It's very real for me. Um, I know where I was. I live with me. You don't. I know what I'm like without Jesus, and I need him. And so the fact that he did what he did is like, to me, the greatest news. And so today, although we're remembering that he died for us, he's alive. Amen. And so don't forget that. What we're, what we're celebrating today is that he paid the ultimate price. He took what you deserved. He died not just for you, but as you. Um, and for me, that's just the most incredible news. Let's pray, and I just want to share with you. I just, I hope um, Jesus is, is worth a lot more than an hour of your time, right? Um, so if you came here for an hour and you need to rush off, I understand that, but I'm not going to rush this because I know that this is important. Um, the fact that we get together as a body like this and celebrate Jesus is beautiful. It's called the church. Um, and so I want to honor you that you're here. Um, if, the, if the Easter weekend is just a, a good-looking holiday in the year, then we've missed something. But the fact that we're here together celebrating Jesus and becoming a picture of something is a very holy thing. And so thank you for coming here on a Friday morning on your public holiday. Awesome. Father, I just, I just love you. Together as a family, we just love you this morning. We celebrate you, Jesus. We thank you for who you are, for what you've done, for who you've made us to be. God, we are absolutely nothing without you. And this morning, we have the joy and the privilege of reminding ourselves and, and, and catching fresh revelation of what you've done for us, Lord God. And so I just pray this morning, Jesus, you know more than anyone else that I have nothing to offer other than you. And so would you come and fill my mouth? Would you come and anoint me this morning to preach the gospel? God, I wanna preach like a man possessed this morning with the fire of God. Would you come and do that? Would you come and open our hearts to receive what you have for us this morning? Thank you that your anointing and your Holy Spirit is on every single one of us. And so we just say yes, Lord God, to everything that you want to do. We yield to you. We surrender to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Come on. So I'm, I'm looking across the room, and I'm kind of seeing that majority of the people here are probably Christians, and you've heard the story. You know the story. You've read the story. You've heard the story. Maybe you've heard hundreds and hundreds of Easter preachers or whatever it is, but Today, I want to not just talk about a story. I want to talk about the power of the cross. I want to talk about what this thing really is, what, what, what he really did, how much uh, impact and transformation this thing really has. It's not just a nice story to remember once a year. Um, as my dad was saying, we like to throw out that, oh, we, we celebrate this every day. We should just be, that's beautiful. And if you're doing that, come on, that's what it's about. But 99% of us aren't. And so we can get so distracted and caught up in life. What a joy that we get to come together and remind ourselves and stir each other up in love to go after this thing and to understand that this truth changes everything about us. And so I want to start off by just making something very clear. Every single one of you were created for a reason. Your reason for existence is for Him. And it's so easy to get caught up in that life happens and things happen and, and you, we get caught up in building the self-empire, but let's not forget that your reason for existence, the reason that you were created was for him. Before the foundations of the world, he named you and he called you and he chose you. And so the creation of man is not some normal kind of 
blase thing. It's a supernatural, divine expression of God. We weren't created for the earth. We were created for Him. If you don't understand that, then the cross will mean very little to you. You've got to understand that you were created for God, for relationship with God, for oneness with God, to be family with God. That was His intention from the beginning of time. When Adam and Eve were walking in the garden, they were walking as sons and daughters, ruling and reigning on the earth with full oneness and, and union with Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? We were created for that, and we gave up our God-given identity, our God-given destiny for intellectual knowledge. We gave it up. We sold it out. But Jesus, Jesus breaks into time. This is, for me, this is so amazing. Jesus breaks into time. He takes on every mistake, past, present, future, of every single person that will ever live or exist on the earth. He takes it upon himself, and he doesn't just die for your sins. He dies as you. He takes your place. I don't know about you, but I know my life in the past, and I deserved the death that he had every day. And he took it once for all so that never, ever again would I have to think about being punished or, or, or um, judged because of my sin by God. He took the full weight of the wrath of God once for all for every single one of us, past, present, future, every mistake, every inadequacy, every failure, every limitation. He took it on himself once for all, never again to be thought about. I don't know about you, but that's so freeing for me because I know me. And so that's the greatest news because what he's saying is, I'm going to do what you could never do in a moment. Come on. You can turn, you can turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9. We'll come there now. We've got to understand that we were created to be sons and daughters. Sons and daughters, family with God. We gave that up. We lost it. We, we were born into sin now because of what, what happened at, at the fall. And every single one of us have this desire inside of us to communicate with someone that we cannot see. That's why we have cell phones. <laughs> every single one of you know that you were created and designed inside of you for intimacy with Jesus. You know it. Even unbelievers know it. That's why they're searching for things. That's why they fill their lives with things, constantly trying to fulfill themselves, but they, get, they never can because it was created for the Lord. Jesus breaks into time and he redeems us and he renews us and he reconciles us to our Father once again. Lost sons and daughters coming back in their created value, their created destiny, their created purpose to walk as one with God, to have the same relationship with the Father that Jesus has. Do you understand that this morning? That it's not just a secondary thing, it's not just a blase, we've made something better, we've polished a turd. That is not what the gospel is. The gospel is that you were disgusting and terrible and stuck in darkness and you made all the mistakes and you, were, you couldn't free yourself and Jesus breaks into time and he doesn't just polish you. He doesn't just make things a little better or, or, or upgrade you a little bit. All of who you were before the revelation and understanding of Jesus, he puts it to death through his own death and says, I will take on everything that you were. I will... I will I will have this, I'll do this great exchange with you where I'll take on your identity, I'll take on your nature, I'll take on your failure, I'll take on your sins, I'll take on your limitations, I'll take on the nature of hell that you chose over me. I'll take that on and I'll die. Put this thing to death once and for all. And then I'm, I'm not gonna stop there, but I'm gonna take my nature, everything that I've modeled, everything that I am, the thoughts that I have, the way that I think, the way that I love, the way that I act, I'm gonna take all of that, I'm gonna take my heart, I'm gonna take my spirit and I'm gonna fill you with it. 
It's not a rescue mission. That's what we gotta understand. The cross was not a rescue mission to just kind of get you the tickets to get to heaven so that you can spend eternity with Jesus. That's one part of the, of, of the story. The, the, the point is that he came in and he broke into time and he redeemed you and he reconciled you and he brought you back to what you were created to be from the very beginning, to be a son, to be a daughter, to have relationship and intimacy with him, to know the Holy Spirit as one so that nothing could ever separate you from him again. This is, this is the point of what I want to get across this morning before I move on to the next thing. What he has done is not just close the gap. He didn't just close the gap between heaven and earth. He didn't just close the gap between him and you. He made you one with him. He put himself inside of you and he put you in himself. And he said there is nothing for all of eternity that could ever separate us again. Ever, ever, ever. Nothing, not a single thing, not a single thought, not a single failure, not a single mistake, nothing that you could ever do or have done or are doing, maybe in this moment right now, that could ever separate you from God. No situation too tough, no storm too big, no disappointment too great. Nothing can separate you from Him. He removed every obstacle and He made us one. That's what you were created for from the beginning of time. That's what He saw all along. He didn't get a fright and go, oh, they've messed up. I need to save them from this. It was always about transformation. It was always about being one with him. Even Adam and Eve in the garden, when they were walking with God, it was an external relationship. God would come and speak to them, and they would come and speak to God. And Jesus says, that's not even enough. I'm not even just going to bring you back to that. I'm going to create a whole new covenant. My blood will speak a better word. No, I'm not just gonna bring you back where you can walk with me. I want you to walk in me and I'm gonna walk in you and together we're gonna walk as one so that every step that you take, I go with you. Forever and ever and ever. I wanna get to heaven and feel totally at home. I don't wanna get to heaven and go, whoa, this is intense. I wanna go there and say, I was living this. Yay, now I get to see you face to face, but you've been here all along. I know your voice. I know you, we're friends. God's called us to Friendship. There's an intimacy with God where it's not just that guy in the sky that you hope is watching over you and guiding you and all your, your dreams and your goals and your plans. We died at the cross. Everything about us died. Everything that made you who you were before Jesus, every dream, every goal, everything that you thought you were worth is dead, finished, buried, never again to speak. And he says, now, let me show you what you were created for, the fullness of heaven, intimacy, oneness with God. I'm gonna put myself inside of you. I'm gonna put the dream of heaven inside of you. I'm gonna give you my will my agenda. Guess what? It's a thousand times better than that one. You might say, oh, God wants to use me to change my workplace. And God's saying, oh, absolutely, that's step one, but I'm going to use you to change a nation. And you can say, that just seems way too big. That's what he paid for. See, this is the thing. You were stuck in your junk. There was no ways that, maybe some of you are sitting here this morning and you're still in this place. There is nothing that you can do to fix yourself. Absolutely nothing. And here's a freeing fact. The harder you try, the worse it becomes. The harder you try to fix yourself and get your life together, if you feel like you can't have a relationship with God because you haven't got yourself together, you're gonna find yourself in a place of frustration for a very long time. You cannot expect to fix yourself. That was the whole point of the cross. Jesus came. The reason why he came was because you couldn't do it on your own, so let's not try. What he's asking, the expectation, the requirement of God is one simple thing. He's saying, give up, stop trying, surrender, give me everything and say, you know what, I can't do it. 
I was never created to do this on my own. I wasn't created for myself. Acknowledge the fact that we were raised by a lie, that we've been believing a lie, a false identity that's tried to make us something that we're not. We've been walking in something that's not the truth. We've been hit by a bus and we've been suffering with amnesia. We've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten our name. We've forgotten our God-given identity, our God-given destiny. And the sad thing is today we've got unconverted believers walking around professing something that's not a reality in their life because the, the revelation and understanding of the cross is not there. The experience of the new life that Jesus gives is not there. It's become an intellectual faith, and we've missed it because we've made salvation a prayer. We've made salvation a ticket. We've missed what he actually did. He broke into time. You were stuck in your junk. He pulled you out of all the nonsense and out of all the lies and the, the, the unbelief and the sin and the failures and, and everything that you can think of that you were stuck in. He pulls you out of addiction. He pulls you out of all of that. And he doesn't just neaten you up. He makes you brand new. He changes everything about you. He remakes and reshapes and molds you once again. And guess what? He doesn't stop there. He soaks you in his blood. He pays the ultimate price. He takes the punishment that you deserved. He sheds the blood that you should have shed. But only his blood could pay the ultimate price. Only his blood was worthy. And he takes that blood and he covers you inside and out. Every part, you're soaked, you're drenched in his blood. You're so saturated in the blood of Jesus that you look like him. Your DNA changes. Your bloodline changes. And guess what? He doesn't stop there. He takes you now as the son that, that, that looks like Jesus. He takes you and he presents you before the Father. He presents you before the creator of the universe, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who breathed life into man from the very beginning, your Father. He presents you before him and he says, this is your beloved son, your beloved daughter with whom you are well pleased because I've paid the ultimate price and I stand as an advocate. He looks at us through Jesus and he sees himself and he's pleased with us no matter what. It never changes. It never goes away. You cannot lose it. Guess what? He doesn't stop there. Now he's called you a son and you've got the title of son and you even look like a son. But he doesn't stop there. He takes his spirit and he breathes Holy Spirit into us. And he says, not only are you gonna look like me, you're gonna live like me because I have put my spirit inside of you. I am bringing you so close to my face that you're gonna begin to look like me. I'm bringing you so close to my heart that you're gonna think like me, feel like me. You're gonna be like me. Every step that you take as you surrender and as you just enjoy the finished work of the cross, Every step that you take, Holy Spirit is gonna transform you and the world around you. Jesus didn't die to change your situations. He changed you so that everywhere that you go, you could become transformation in those spheres of influence. You see, the law could only cleanse the outward appearance, could only cleanse the outward expression of life. It couldn't change a man's heart. So we would, the law was there and we would have to shed the blood of, of bulls and goats and, and it was just to, to try and look better than what we actually felt. <laughs> That's the truth. When God's actually saying, I'm, I'm putting it on your, I'm writing my law on your minds, on your hearts. I'm, I'm changing you. I'm, I'm, I'm changing you from the inside out. I'm, I'm reshaping what makes you, you. 
And what's so beautiful about this is that this whole process of transformation that I'm talking about, he takes total possession of your life. There is not an area of your life that he doesn't have. And all it is now is this journey of saying, this is the finished work of the cross, that he has paid the ultimate price to redeem me, to bring me back into a place of sonship. My life is his every moment of every day. For some of us, that's a hard thing to, to, to discuss because if you look at your life, you probably find that my life's pretty busy and I don't actually have much time to even think about him. And I want to tell you that we've been sucked into something that is very, very dangerous and it's a lie. And today is a beautiful opportunity to remind yourself to catch fresh revelation of who you really are. Who you really are in Jesus. Understand that if your job is taking away from intimacy with Jesus, start to rethink it. If your job is a sphere of influence that God's placed you in and you're seeing heaven manifest on earth, then you're in the right place. But if it's something that's killing you, suffocating you, then you probably find that you've put your faith in the world and not in Jesus and you don't understand what he did and what he paid for. You okay? Let's go to scripture. Uh, Hebrews chapter nine from verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a, of a how do you say that, heifer, sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Jesus, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where, the, for where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins." Thus it was necessary for the peoples of the heavenly, for the peoples, for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not only into places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood, with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. 
Jump quickly to chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's a lot of verses, but here's what I want to encourage you with. Jesus paid the ultimate price. He soaked you in his blood. He transformed you. He changed you. He sanctified you. He brought you back to your original purpose, your original design. He did what the law and the the sacrifices of old couldn't do. He paid the ultimate price. For what? For you to be a son and a daughter and to live like one. And in order to do that, there's this thing called community and church where we get together and we display the nature of God. You've been placed in spheres of influence individually to manifest heaven, but you've been placed in a family and a church where you come together. And because of the finished work of God, we come together. And as we all surrender and submit to Holy Spirit, as we all begin to express the fullness, the finished work of the cross from within us, the world looks at the church and says, that looks like Jesus. He's the head. This is the body. The hands and feet of God are operating on the earth. We're making an impact. We're making a change. We're encountering him in his fullness. Do you realize that your relationship with God never has to be stagnant? It never has to be the same old, same old. If you keep going back to the old ways of encountering God, go back to the cross and understand that you have the same relationship with Him that Jesus has. That the same Holy Spirit that walked with Jesus, that lives with Jesus, the same Holy Spirit in the Trinity, the very Spirit of God, is inside of you. He's made His home inside of you. He sits in the theater of your soul, and He likes what He sees. He looks at every area of your life despite your inadequacies and he chooses not to see them, but he sees your God-given potential. He sees your God-given identity. He sees your value. Do you understand that you are so, so valuable that Jesus was prepared to lay down his life, that God was prepared to bankrupt heaven, heaven's most valuable possession. God was prepared to pay that for you. I pray today that we would get such a revelation of the finished work of Jesus that it wouldn't just be a song. It wouldn't just be a preach. It wouldn't just be a prayer. But our daily lives, the way that we posture our lives, the way that we live every single day would be worship to him. Because that's what you were created for. I don't know about you, but we need a fresh dose of a new perspective. It's the lenses of eternity. We need to be so aware of the fact that we are living for eternity, that that this is a temporary thing. If you're aware of eternity, then your focus is not this stuff. Your focus is him and what he's building and what he's doing because of the finished work. The finished work is not just to save you so that you can have a comfortable life until he comes back to fetch you. Sometimes that's why we actually celebrate the cross. Thank God that I don't have to work so hard to fix myself. He's fixed me. Now I can just enjoy the ride until he comes back and rescues us and gets us out of this dump. That's not the cross. See, that's an orphan mentality. And that's not even salvation. Salvation is not a prayer. It's a life transformed and surrendered 
and, and rooted in the finished work of the cross, understanding with clarity and with understanding that we were created for intimacy with God. The gospel is simple, friends. We were created for relationship with a Father that loves us. We were created to walk from that place, to live from a place of victory, not to contend and fight for victory, to live from the finished work of the cross, to start where He finished. Anything other than that is not the gospel. If you have to fight to achieve something in the kingdom, you've misunderstood the gospel. If you live from a place of victory, from a place of freedom, that's how you rule and reign because suddenly you're not shaken by situations, you're not shaken by circumstances. You shine because he's inside of you and you're living for something so much greater than this earth. Do you realize the love the love of the Father. Love leads to repentance. How does that work? Because this love is not just a, an easy love. This love cost him everything. And guess what? When you become possessed with it, it will cost you everything. This love, this incredible, outrageous, magnificent love of God shakes you out of mediocrity. It shakes you out of passivity. It doesn't let you live where you once were. It carries you into the new and says, you know what? I birth faith within you and I will move you forward into faith's perfection. Hebrews 12. This love, this radical, amazing love of God changes you from the inside out. You don't have to do a thing except surrender. But as it begins to change you, repentance becomes who you are. It's not a moment of, oh, I need to change and I need, I'm so sorry. I need, no, repentance becomes who I am because I'm always returning to the highest place. I'm always returning to my Father. I'm always living in this place where my thinking is being transformed and renewed daily, every single day. I live in repentance. It's, a, it's the posture of my heart, it's the posture of a believer. Love leads to repentance. When we understand this magnificent love of God, you cannot live a normal, mediocre life. The life of intimacy with Jesus is extraordinary. It's extraordinary. It's wild. It's every day there's something new for you. If you understand that he's alive, he's, in a, he's a living God. He's not just some idea. He's not just a doctrine. He's not a theology. This isn't a wound licking club. This isn't a social club that we get together and sit and tap each other on the shoulder, make each other feel better about each other so that we can actually get through another week. That's just mental. What we're doing here is we're coming together because we have intimacy and relationship with Jesus. And because I know him, the more I see him for who he is, the more I understand the way that he thinks, the way that he feels. Suddenly there's a love that's inside of me for the bride, for every single one of you that's not natural. It's not a normal love. It's not based on what you do. It's not based on how you act. It's not based on whether I like you or not. It's based on the fact that I'm in love with Jesus and he's in love with you. And when I look at you, I see him because when he looks at me, he sees himself. I can fall in love with the bride because of the finished work of the cross. I can fall in love with every single one of you because I look at you and I see him and I'm in love with him. If your relationship with God is stale and dry and stagnant, it's probably because you're not seeing clearly. And I wanna encourage you that love is experienced before it's understood. I still don't understand it. I still don't get it, it's too, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely outrageous that he would do that, but guess what, he did it. So get over it and enjoy it. Stop making the gospel intellectual and just say, yes, you're filling me with your love. You've paid the ultimate price because you love me. Why did you do it? I don't know, but you love me. 
you love me so much and you've called me to walk in the inheritance of heaven. And he's saying, it's yours if you want it, beloved. This life of extraordinary intimacy with Jesus is yours if you want it. You don't have to fight. You don't have to strive. He paid the ultimate price. You're covered in the blood. There is no more separation between you and him forever. Maybe the last couple of weeks you've had a rough time and you've been distracted and you've hardly thought about God and hardly spent time with him. And maybe you came here this morning and you felt like, jeez, I just feel terrible. I, I, Lord, I'm so sorry. And you, you, suddenly you're in this place of you're on the back foot already because it's like, oh, I know that I shouldn't be like this. I shouldn't be living like this. I'm distracted. I'm depressed. I'm down. I'm, Get over yourself, that's all dead. Just because you've picked up a dead corpse and walked around like a puppet doesn't make the thing alive. Stop playing with rotting dead corpses and come into new life. Come into the joy that's in Jesus and understand who you were created to be. It never changes. Even when you don't see it, he looks at you and he sees it and he says, it's yours. If you want it, you can walk in it today, right now. And all you have to do is turn your head. Turn your head and see what I've done. Turn your head and receive the fullness of the gospel. Receive the fire that's for every single one of you. Do you realize that right here in this room is enough people to turn Johannesburg upside down? Please, beloved, can we start to dream again like Jesus does? One man changed the world forever. One man came and, and, and this is what's so beautiful. Jesus, one man comes in and he does something for all of eternity, for every person that will ever exist. And then you know what he does? He says, guess what? Now that you're sons and daughters and co-heirs with me, I'm entrusting you to do the same thing. I am not nothing. I'm not a nothing. I'm not a nobody. I'm a son of God that's been entrusted with a message of reconciliation to go into the dark places and find the lost sons and daughters and manifest the heart of God and preach the finished work of the cross so that they can come to know him like I do. The same heart, the same fire, the same passion that Jesus carried, I'm called to carry. Every day, everywhere that I go, in my school, in my university, every person that I meet, when this love possesses you, you cannot contain it. Can you see it? You can't contain this thing. If you can contain it, you've missed it. Are you encouraged? I hope this is encouraging. 24-7 church is called to be an oasis of revival. It's called to be a training center where sons, lost sons and daughters who are in darkness can come in here, be transformed, filled with light, filled with love, filled with the fire of heaven, be equipped and trained to go and reproduce heaven to the ends of the earth. There's your mission statement for your life and for this house. Do you know that you are called to make disciples? That's what he paid for. You are called to do it. You are called to do the work of the ministry, not the gifts. The gifts are to equip the saints. The saints are called to go and do the work of the ministry. Guess what that means? You get to represent Jesus everywhere that you go. So I think it's time that we get over ourselves a little bit and start to see with the joy of heaven, the lenses of heaven, and realize that it's a privilege. It's an honor. Every day I'm walking past people that need to know this message. Because guess what? There's also another gospel that's being preached out there, and it's not the true gospel. We were in Botswana and we walked into a village that literally hates the gospel because they've heard that you have to eat a snake to be healed and you have to climb the mountain with a white dress and you have to do all these weird things. There's, there's gospels and stuff being preached out there that is not him. It's a misrepresentation of God. We cannot sit on our bums and let that happen. He's alive. He, this morning, right now, beloved, I'm done, but this morning, Right now, he wants to possess you with the love of God like you have never experienced before, where you are gonna walk out of here buzzing and vibrating with heaven inside of you because you've been called to reach people. 
You've been called. You have been called to preach the gospel. Your life is your greatest pulpit. The finished work of Jesus wants to be expressed through you. Holy Spirit is brooding inside of you and He wants out. Open up the floodgates. You can. And when you wake up tomorrow morning and you just don't feel it, you wake up on Monday morning and you just don't feel it. Sunday was great. Wow, man, goosebumps, crazy. It was awesome. But how many of you know Monday morning does not feel as great as Sunday did? You wake up Monday morning and you're thinking, I've got to go to work. I've got all the stuff that I've got to do. There's these lists and whatever. We have been so trained to live by emotions and feelings that we let this thing lead us when it was not created for that. Your mind and your intellect and your emotions and your feelings, they were not created to lead you. This thing will get in the way of you walking in the finished work of the cross because you let it lead you and it's not supposed to. It's supposed to facilitate. So guess what? My spirit goes, guess what, Connor? You were born. You were created. You woke up. Mercy woke you up today to manifest heaven on the earth. Now this thing has got to facilitate that in my life. So this thing learns to be aware of that so that I go to work and yes, I've got that list of things to do, but while I'm doing them, there's people in the room. There's people on the other end of the phone. There's people at lunch. <laughs> and my, my mind is learning to facilitate that and say, hey, remember. Remember this. Oh, think about that. Oh, Jesus is giving me a word about this. There's a word of knowledge for that person. There's, your mind is facilitating what's happening from your spirit. So, so guess what? If you don't feel it, you don't feel it. Get over it. You weren't led by feelings. The truth is inside of you. Be led by the truth. When you're led by the truth, your feelings are indicators for the voice of God. If you hear a voice that comes into your head and it leaves you feeling depressed, you've missed it. It's not God. It's a lie. Don't believe it. That's what your feelings are for. <laughs> your feelings are for when the thought comes and, and, and God speaks and there's truth and you go, whoa, I feel amazing. I feel like right now, that's how I feel. I feel absolutely incredible. I know it's Him. Why? Because He's a good God. It's a good thought. It's a good feeling. If it's a bad feeling, it's a bad indicator. So it's going, ha let me just remind you, that's not you. If you're feeling lousy and feeling depressed and feeling bound, you're believing a lie. Don't believe it. You become what you believe. Go back to the finished work of the cross and understand who you are. Believe it, become it, and see Jesus change you and change the world around you. It's who you are. It's what you're called for. Come on. So when you wake up tomorrow, later today even, when you're here on Sunday, when you come on Monday or go to work on Monday, Understand that you're called to live in intimacy with Jesus everywhere that you go. It's not a five-minute thing in your room. That's beautiful. There's time for that. There's time for one-on-one -on -one with Jesus in your room, locked away where no one can see you. But you can't live there. But where you can live is in the secret place of Jesus everywhere that you go. Learn to hear His voice in your day-to-day -day life. Understand that He's inside of you. Jesus was doing things all the time. People were surrounding Him all the time. Yes, he had to draw aside and draw away, but majority of his time was spent with people and he was sensitive to Holy Spirit and he was being refreshed by Holy Spirit all the time. It's yours, beloved. Jesus paid the price for you to be sons and daughters, for you to bring heaven to earth. That is the purpose of the church. That is the, the reason for your existence, to know him and to make him known. Shall we pray?